The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. This is your United States of America. Saturday, October 2nd, 2021, and you're listening to the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by the HTM Podcast Network online, hittingthemarks.com, and of course, presented by Hami Media. On today's show, we're just taking a general look at the week in professional wrestling, but of course, before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you, this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across professional wrestling world. Find the entire show online at htmpwpod, email hittingthemarks at gmail.com. That's right, I changed the Twitter handle back because I'm my name is Jargo. I will be your host for the day. Let's bring in the tag team partner. He is the convict living down under. He's the GAG from the PWC. He's my man, Jimmy T. I guess I should add in. He's also now on the HMG. Jimmy, congratulations on the new show over at Ahami Media Group and Channel Attitude. And oh, yeah, welcome back to your show. Thank you, dude, and and I'm and I'm actually pumped, dude. I, it's an honor and and a, an absolute like privilege to be on. I mean, media, dude. I'm. It's it's an honor, dude, and, and it's humbling. So, thank you, man, and thank you to all the HMG family members. I'm. I guess I'm part of the family now, man. Yeah. How are you? You and that that other Canadian guy. I guess he's coming right. along too. Yeah, that other Canadian guy. We won't mention his name. <laughs> yeah, no, that's Chris Sam's man. If you haven't heard it before, that's. AMBS for bullshit in the morning, you know, lands without the L, <laughs> like he says. So yeah, man, me, Chris, and yourself, Jago, will be doing a rampage show, dude. You know, I don't do enough podcasts, Jimmy. That's clearly the problem. I don't do enough shows. So now y'all, mofahoos, are going to talk me into watching Rampage on a weekly basis, and that's okay because it's only an hour. It's only an hour, and I, I, I guess a couple things to address up front. All right. Uh, before we actually talk pro wrestling, let's talk the Hitting the Marks podcast network. We had a little problem here over the last few days. You see, we, we brought in another new show from another one of your boys. And we're, we're talking about the Garden of Doom, you know, as we as we continue to branch out from necessarily the pro wrestling world. But uh, you see what happened is as soon as I posted it, Podbean then because Jimmy had sent me like four shows like he had sent me you know the dynamite review and the raw review and I had all these shows to upload and I got the first one uploaded and then Podbean said "Uh uh-uh no more you are done Jimmy I sent you the screenshots evidently we're uploading too much free content for our listeners ear holes they wouldn't let me post anything anymore until October 1st well here we are Saturday October 2nd hitting the marks is back in your freaking ear holes dude like I didn't realize we were putting out that much content dude I've, I've never seen that before and i put out a lot of content on my own like channel and i've never seen that before man i mean 
That doesn't make sense. What would that happen, do you think? I, I, I don't know. Um, of, of course, we've been posting Turnbuckle Talk. We've been posting right. all the PWC shows. I've been posting Destino. We post Hitting the Marks on there. But, yeah, it just seemed like out of nowhere that Podbean hits us with this, you've uploaded too much content this month. The strangest thing that I've seen in my four going on five years worth of podcasting at this point don't understand that, so we apologize if you all have been looking for new content and there hasn't been anything there. Um, there's also going to potentially be some other changes coming to Hitting the Marks, potentially more shows, more free content, so censors, get ready because we're going to have more content for your freaking ear holes. Um, but we're also losing turnbuckle talk. Shout out to Joe and Carl. Their last episode this past week is Joe kind of moves on to a, another phase in his life. Of course, he will still be guest hosting on some spots here and there. He just can't commit to the weekly grind. People don't realize how hard it is to put out all this content, man. There's a lot of, uh, processes involved, like to put out an hour and a half long show. We're probably putting, you know, three to four hours in by the time you get to the edit, by the time you get to the upload, by the time you get to making the artwork. It's insane the amount of free stuff that we're putting out. And, you know, maybe some things have got to change. We'll, we'll see how October goes, but I, I apologize to all of the listeners. I guess that's number one. Number two, I hate Friday night football. The Iowa Hawkeyes played this week on Friday night. They destroy the Maryland Terrapins. I mean, it was like 51 to 14. You would think that we were like the number five team in the country or something. Oh, wait, we are. We are the number five team in the country <laughs> entirely undeservingly. There's no way that, that, that we are the fifth best team in the country. Iowa fans are already saying, we want Bama. And I'm like, bitch, shut the fuck up. Alabama blow us out by six. 70. Get the fuck out of here. It's, I mean, it's not even close. Everybody just calm your tits. Let's worry about Penn State next week. So I didn't get a chance to watch SmackDown. I didn't get a chance to talk Rampage. But here we are. I, I read some reviews. I know what happened on the shows. Jimmy, it's been another crazy week inside of the world of professional wrestling from Finn Balor getting the ropes literally cut out from underneath of him <laughs> to you know, CM Punk cutting promos on Rampage. And we've got Adam Cole versus Jungle Boy. And it, I can't even keep everything straight. Oh, yeah. And the G1 Climax were like balls deep into the G1. <laughs> we just had the conclusion of the five-star Grand Prix. The pro wrestling world's insane. Dude, there's just too much shit every day. Every <laughs> I mean, there's day. too much pro wrestling every day, man. Every no day. Every right. day. <laughs> I was waiting for that. That's why I go, no pun intended for every day. But it's true, man. I mean, how much wrestling can we digest, dude? And I don't I mean, even get to watch it. like Impact or MLW. The only way I get to watch ROH is at work. I mean, it's it's crazy, man. The amount of professional wrestling. I don't do dark. I don't do dark elevation. I don't do NXT 2.0. Well, I mean, that, that feels like a whole topic in itself. Did you see the ratings for NXT 2.0 this week? Back no, in well. the toilet for NXT 2.0. <laughs> Didn't even crack 700,000 viewers this week. Wow. People kept telling me, oh, look at the ratings are doing pretty well it's the curiosity factor now we're settling back in and people are like i don't know who any of these people are nor do i care uh this is not good for wwe man i just want to say bron breaker dude 
and he might be the most like potential talent that we've seen in NXT for like 15 freaking years. I agree 100%, but Bron Breaker, I mean, that's, that just tells man. you, right, that just tells you, you know, what's happening with NXT. And it's a shame too, dude, like... Is it? I'll be honest. Is it? Well, I don't know. I mean, do, it's it's hard even for me to keep up with it, dude, to be honest with you. You know what I mean? It's, like, I don't know if I like it, man. <laughs> like, like I've said in the past... It feels like Triple H was sitting there in the middle of a Bukaki session with Bruce Pritchard, you know, uh, Mr. Fucking, uh, fucking Johnny Ace and Vince McMahon. I mean, seriously, they've just bukkake all over Triple H, dude. Well, now that we know what the show is going to look like, now that we know what the presentation is, now that we're starting to get some familiarity with some of these stars, I feel like we can start to pass judgment on NXT 2.0. Um, but what is the legacy of NXT 1.0? I mean, because I've, 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 I have said for literally years at this point that NXT is a colossal failure. I've always felt that way. I love the product. I love watching the talent in the ring. I love the matches that they produced. But when you look at NXT and what it's supposed to be, that developmental system for Raw and SmackDown, the biggest stars that I can think of that NXT actually produced are Baron Corbin and Alexa Bliss. Hmm. Why would you say that? Because why? the rest why? of the talent came in from independent promotions, oh, already right, had right. the, like, when I think of homegrown, actually WWE developed talents, Baron Corbin and Alexa Bliss are the two biggest stars I can think of that NXT produced. And Braun Strowman. You can't forget Strowman. Who's already been released. So, I mean, right, how, how, right. how great of a success can we call that? And Reigns. Roman Reigns, no, I guess, Roman Reigns, Roman Reigns, number one, was born into this thanks to his last oh, well, yeah, name. And, but true. more importantly, number two, I consider him more a product of the FCW system. Very much true. the same way with like Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, like those early guys that came in and actually launched NXT, Tyler Breeze. Right, right. They were more FCW talents that were just there to launch NXT. I don't think of Roman Reigns as an NXT-built superstar. All right, well, let me ask you this, Jago. What is NXT 1.0? Are we going to pretend that original NXT, you know, when they're playing games and whatnot and they had their mentors, are we going to pretend that never happened? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, because that's like the reality show era of NXT. Right. Like, for me, right, right. when I think of NXT 1.0, I think of the TakeOver era. Right, because they, they they weren't doing takeovers down there. When, when, no, of course when, not. When right. NXT moved to full sale, became like its own kind of thing, and even really like the next crop that came in, because there's there's a lot of FCW carryover into oh. NXT. Absolutely, that no, quickly sure. departed NXT, like the Shield. Well, the fact is, Jago. Funny enough, and. It's funny because you said it's probably a big failure. Well, in many ways it is because it's a financial failure 
they've actually been losing money every year with NXT. And they didn't produce the stars, which was actually kind of the intention of NXT. Like, as great as the matches were that we got to watch, as good as Ciampa versus Gargano was, as good as Joe versus Balor was, as good as Sasha versus Bailey was... They didn't become these huge, larger-than-life stars that is what NXT was actually there to do. No, you're right. It's true, man. And does that sort of shit on Triple H's legacy, though? Well, I mean, what is Triple H's legacy? Good question. I mean, mean, other than shit, what is (laughs) Triple H's legacy? Oh, that's that's a bit harsh, Jago. Come well, on, man. Well, no, I mean seriously. Like, I, I I feel like okay. One of the things that drives me absolutely insane inside of the world of professional wrestling is the revisionist history when it comes to Ric Flair, right? Like, oh. like people want to pretend like Ric Flair or Dusty Rhodes. Dusty is kind of the same way. People freaking hated Dusty Rhodes, right? When Dusty was in Florida, like not only like the fans hated Dusty Rhodes, the wrestlers hated Dusty Rhodes because Dusty had the book and only pushed himself and everybody knew it. Right. But there's this like revisionist history of everybody loved Dusty Rhodes all the time. I'm glad you said that. Because Let's not no, pretend right. like Ric Flair wasn't the biggest dirtbag in professional wrestling <laughs> for 30 years. Let's not pretend like the Horseman was a babyface stable that people look back on for with this fond affection. They broke Dusty's leg. They beat the shit out of Sting God knows how many freaking times. They were awful. They were terrible. They were the biggest heels in the world. Let's not pretend like Ric Flair was freaking Hulk Hogan in the 1980s. He wasn't a babyface. He was a dirt bag and he had the book too just like dusty now <laughs> let's talk point. triple h revisionist history is triple h's legacy like since the beginning of triple h's career he's been rewriting his own career i mean like right. triple, triple h was always like the greatest number two in the history of professional wrestling Right. He, he was never the guy. He was the guy who went against the guy. Right. Right. I get you. But is that fair, though, to say that? Because, look, let's be honest. He was a great number two. One of the best number twos. Absolutely. I mean, you can't. Right. You can't like take that away from him. He, he was that good, like he would say. Right. But in saying that, dude, like, I think I think Triple H, to be fair to Triple H, he did a lot for these for these kids or you know and the guys and girls coming up you know through the ranks. I think he really took care of him. He's changed his attitude towards shit. Obviously, he, he right? gave them the platform, right? And then it failed. It failed. Well, yeah. I mean, no, you're right. I mean, once if you again, break and it down, like- Triple H, he became number two to AEW. AEW came in and out NXT to NXT. NXT to NXT. Hey, that other company is just a pissant company, remember? Yeah, a t-shirt company. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, look, man, it's you're right, man. Look, I'm trying to find the positives for Triple H over here. I'm trying to play devil's advocate, but if you want to be honest... Triple H is a Hall of Famer. He's a first ballot oh, Hall of Famer, unquestionably. No right. right. I right, love absolutely. me some Triple H. Same here, dude. Hey, man, I'm not going to deny it. He was one of my favorites, you know, like but on one stage. This conversation that where does Triple H rank and, you know, like the greatest of all time? He's not even on the freaking list. 
Look, I'd put him in a top 20. You, you, to be Would fair you to him, really? let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, look, he I don't know. might it's make, tough. It's he tough. might make my top 100. Might. Oof. Come on, he's in my top 100. Easy. Come on, dude. <laughs> no, I, I mean, when I look back through like all of professional wrestling history worldwide, the right. greatest of all time. And I'm taking, you know, guys like Baba and Anoki and Andre and Bruno and Luthez. Like, and I'm going through all of history. You think Triple H is in the top 100? I mean, maybe. Look, maybe. If if you if we're talking like you know like professional wrestling and where all the greats are supposed to be, you know where they stand. Okay, that's that's arguable. But I'm going by myself, like as in growing up and what I was into, because I wasn't around for the Bruno era. Right. Right. You know, yeah. Right. No. No. Clearly, like in 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 the modern era of the WWF and WWE, I agree. Triple H is absolutely in my top 100. He's probably right. in my top 25. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. But he's nowhere near. But he's nowhere near the top. Okay. Would you call him a draw? No. It's true. It's I mean, only I I feel like the only time that Hunter has ever been a quote unquote draw is dependent on his opponent. I don't think people ever paid to see Triple H. They might pay to see Triple H take on The Rock. They might pay right, to say right. Triple H take on HBK, Triple H take on The Undertaker. But I don't think anybody ever paid to see Triple H. Yeah, no, you're right, man. I mean, uh, you're right. When you break it down like that, no pun intended, right? It's it's hard to argue your points, dude. I mean, if we're talking, you know, in the whole scheme of things, he's, you're a, right. he's a great it's number true. two. He's a great he number is. two. He's a great. He's a great number two. No, you're right. He's a B plus player. <laughs> he unquote. is the uh, definition it, of a B plus player. <laughs> He's gonna hate us for that one, but yeah, no, definitely. it's not, not like we're right. getting a job at NXT, man. We're both way too old and way too short to get a job at NXT. <laughs> well, that's what I thought growing up. That's why I never got into professional wrestling, right? I mean, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels were like our our hopes. You know what I'm saying? And even and even them, like for short guys, they were kind of tall. Like when you really think about it, like six one. Six two. It's funny Today. because I, I've I've said a couple of times now, and the more I think about it, the more true it is. If you want to watch the WWE roster shrink, like literally, <laughs> like the size of the men on the roster, to watch it shrink, all you have to do is watch Randy Orton throughout his career. <laughs> when Randy Orton broke in, he was like a smaller to average sized guy. And now he's a monster. Like Orton is taller than, you know, 80% of the freaking roster at this point. And when he broke in, he was like an average to smaller sized guy. You can literally watch, just look at his opponents through the course of the years Absolutely, and they just yeah, progressively yeah. shrink. When you put it like that, it's true, man. I mean, how tall is he? 6'3"? Yeah, it's like 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, right, right. Like I mean, he's it's not true, man. I mean, you go back to like, you know, the Hogan era, Orton would have been like a freaking cruiserweight. 
Right. I mean, geez. I mean, what happened to all these giants, dude? I mean, the motherfucking money. Exactly. Because that's what it sports, is. You know, taking these guys in. And it's true, man. I mean, I think professional wrestlers deserve way more than what they get right now. Now, I don't know if that means they need to go on strike one day. That's the only way that would get their way, right? They would have I mean, to have a union it. in order to go on strike. Right, but there's the problem. Uh, there's yeah, the, problem. the dirty U word. Right, and this be this be true now. You know why this shit doesn't happen and never does? Because they're going to end up losing money. You know, quite possibly, it, it's it doesn't does it really benefit the wrestlers, especially the ones you know at the top of the card. The issue, as I see it. Number one, there's not a professional wrestlers union. As far as right. I'm concerned, there should not be a professional right, that's, wrestlers that's exactly union. Right. However, I do think that professional wrestlers should be members of the Screen Actors Guild. Just like any other actor on any other TV show that is scripted for national television. As their profits have overtaken, they're like 68% of the WWE profits now are television revenue. They are a TV show above everything else. And the talent are actors more than anything else. They're, they're glorified stuntmen who are, are out there and, and acting, right? Especially inside of a WWE context, inside of a sports entertainment context they should be members of the hollywood screen actors guild as far as i'm concerned and i've felt that way for a very very long time well see that's a tough one because in my opinion you're right i see where you're coming from I right mean, they're playing but characters that's true but it's a sort of shades of gray too a little bit because the way professional wrestling is portrayed is that don't get me wrong but also, it's a bit more realistic than your average TV show, if that makes any sense, right? Absolutely. Well, is it is it more realistic than Survivor? You know what? In many ways, I actually do think it is. <laughs> because Survivor just seems like total, total BS. But I mean, you know I, I, I mean, as far as like the competition aspect of Survivor goes, um, or when I look at... Um, that American Ninja Warrior crap. Right, right, Like right. the athleticism that is involved there. I mean, hell, that's where Casey Catanzaro came from. Yeah, true. That's true. I mean, shit. But look, man, see, it's it's a bit of a gray area because when you really think back to it, why did Vince McMahon come out and say it's sports entertainment is just bullshit, basically? To get around the athletic commissions. Exactly. That's the whole reason why. So when you look at it, you know, you know, when you look at it for that, for why he did it, it's a bit of a shade of gray and hence why, like, you know, actors hate professional wrestling, not professional wrestling in general, they just, you know, they look down on, like, uh, you're just, a, you know, an ugly stepchild per se, right? I, I, I think that there's a couple problems. Number one, fans have become professional wrestlers, right? I mean... <laughs> Honestly, I, the kids that grew up watching the Attitude right. Era became professional wrestlers. And the professional athletes that should be professional wrestlers are playing other sports. As, as you look at WWE salaries compared to what their revenue is, it comes up to about 8%. 8% of the, of the actual money that WWE brings in goes to their talent. 
And that's because the contracts were already locked in and the presentation was already locked in as they signed these massive TV deals. When you look at the NBA, when you look at the NFL, when you look at Major League Baseball, when you look at the NHL, it's closer to a 50-50 split between Every the sport. ownership and right. the athletes. Somebody who is six foot seven, 380 pounds, no longer wants to be a professional wrestler. They want to be an NFL football player. Because they want to make thirty or forty million dollars a year, they don't want to make three or four hundred thousand dollars a year. The only guys who are getting NFL money are guys like Brock Lesnar and John Cena. And when you compare their salaries to actual NFL players, they are at the lower end of those NFL salaries. The pr- the, the, the thing is, they don't have a union to negotiate a revenue split with the league itself. And that has always been the problem with professional wrestling. But as pro wrestling has stayed the same, other professional sports have ballooned to the point where LeBron James is making as much money in one year as Michael Jordan was making off of a seven year contract. But see, had they come, you know, had they get those sort of contracts by the players doing lockouts and shit like that though. But it was all through the players union. And right, the problem right, is, right. as soon as you mention union, you are wish the best in your future endeavors. That's true. And that's why I think if they ever want to take a stand, like a proper stand, go on strike. Refuse to, like, do the shows until they get what they want, right? I mean, that's the only way you can make a stand. The only problem with that is there's too many snakes in professional wrestling that, you know, there's going to be someone that's going to be a rat. All right. Oh yeah. And it's gonna right. There's there's no ifs or buts about it. It's a shark fucking game. You know that game called professional wrestling. Telephone, tell and a friend, tell a wrestler. I mean, exactly. You know. <laughs> Spot on. And that's the problem. You can't trust many. You know, unfortunately, the peers can't trust each other half the time. You know what I'm saying? There's Is too, the culture too many still that fix. way? I mean. That that's well, always been the pro question. wrestling culture, but you know the pro wrestling culture was also going to the bar and womanizing and wearing nothing right. but a robe on an airplane and doing the helicopter with your <laughs> penis. Right. Where now <laughs> the culture is, we got done with the show. I'm going back to my hotel. I'm going to call my wife games. and kids and play video games. Like that's become the culture now. It like the culture has changed so much, and it seems like there is a lot more unity, especially across companies than there ever has been i don't know maybe now is the time if that were going to happen yeah that's true but you know you still hear stories about everybody walking on eggshells in particular in wwe so well does wwe talent do they have to be a part of it i guess that's the question and yeah i mean it's true and how does that affect AEW and every other professional wrestling organization too well what if it's it would be a domino effect i mean let's talk about the forbidden door right if you have impact wrestlers and you have aew wrestlers and you have you know the lucha libre guys that are working in the states and you have the japanese talent that's coming over to work in the states and you have all of these companies kind of working together it would make sense to me for all of that talent to want to unionize so that they would have a say in with going between all of these different companies where we're playing by the same set of rules because there's one quote unquote players union. 
Well, you just made me, like, your point just made me think of an interesting sort of factor. You brought up the Forbidden Door. You brought up Impact Wrestling. This Chuck in Ring of Honor, for that matter, too. NWA. You know, all those. NWA. Does that mean if we were to have a union, a union, right, and, you know, wrestlers started getting paid more, would that make those promotions amateur sort of leagues? Absolutely. Then... Right, which means WWE and AEW will truly be professional wrestling if you get my drift, right? Yeah. So does how would that affect you know all all of that? Because by by unionizing, not only affects obviously WWE AEW, but it affects everybody else, and right. then it might change the money aspect and all that. Th- those those companies will become full blown like full time feeders to the big leagues after that in many ways, right? That's what would happen automatically just by. You know, just by the way it is, just if that was to happen. The the other thing that I look at, like when in the 80s, when this got such a big push from guys like Jesse Ventura, right. what really shut it down was Hogan, right? It was the guys on top who shared more in the company vision, brother, right? Whereas right. now I look at the guys on top and I look at guys like Brian Danielson, where I could see him being like, yeah, let's do this. I look at somebody like Cody and I'm like, yeah, let's do this. Kenny Omega, the young bucks, the the guys that are the EVPs at AEW that are the office. I could see them wanting to do this for the boys and put more pressure on to the WWE. Well, see, that's true. But, but in saying that, it would just cause such a, say, would it be worth, you know, Vince McMahon, for example, owning WWE if that was to happen? Just say, or for Tony Khan to own AEW. Can you imagine the amount of money that would lose if, if well, player, I have I mean, no player idea. wages, I, I, wrestlers' I, wages went up? I don't know, because I don't know what AEW and their contracts and right. how any of that works. I mean, when, when we speak of like pro wrestling contracts and how they're formatted and how the business operates, all we really know is WWE because they're a publicly traded company and all that information is out there and readily available, you know? So I, I, that absolutely changes the equation. I'm sure if you actually dug through Sinclair financials, you you could find the same about ring of honor, but you, you would have to dig through a lot of financials and documents that are just mind numbing in order to make it work. Absolutely. And, and the thing is, like you said before, you brought up all the other leagues like NBA, NHL, even in like soccer, like the Premier League. I'll give you an example, right? The English Premier League. The, the reason why it became the Premier League was because all the clubs revolted. They right. basically the Premier League became a breakaway organization where the clubs are the bosses of that league, right? So, in other words, all the TV revenue is evenly split right. between all the clubs. Hence why that, that league and that and those clubs are loaded with money, dude. You know what I'm saying? Because of that reason. And they're all like getting multi, you know, multi-billions all over the world, right? So imagine WB wrestlers asking for that, for that sort of money, for that TV money, and evenly spread it. Oof, man, I can see Vince absolutely having a heart attack. Well, <laughs> and then the heart attack comes in when you start paying big money contracts. And then the TV revenue goes away because your ratings are in the toilet. That's what, no, there's just like, I mean, that's, that's, that's the other end of this spectrum. Right. right? right. I mean, 
No, you're right. You, and that's why it's hard for me to picture it happening because it would just explode so much. So many things, dude. It's just, I don't I'm know, really man. It, I think it's a bit too little too late. I'm really Sorry? interested what happens with these new TV contracts. When, when these deals come up, when the Fox deal comes up, when the NBC deal comes up, I don't think NXT is going to make it that far. I still think NXT no is way. canceled in six months. Yeah, I agree with you, man. I think we'll get it back to the network or Peacock, whatever yeah, you want to say. Back on the cock. <laughs> right back on the cock. They'll be sitting right back on it, dude. And and it's a shame. They tried. They failed. And that's that, dude. Bron Breaker. That's all I have to say. <laughs> and it's a shame because he is a good looking kid right like i mean he looks like he should be a professional wrestler i don't know how Absolutely. tall he is he looks tall well yeah but everybody like carrying cross looked tall in the in nxt right i think he's taller than even carrying cross though i think don't quote me on that because i'm not sure but he comes across like he is you know what i mean i'm trying to Yo. figure out how how tall he is oh <laughs> i'm thinking what, what happened he's only six foot tall what? No. Six six foot tall. You're kidding, dude. Nope. <laughs> Why? The, I swear, the perception, he seems taller, dude. If he's only... Man, we're like practically his height. You know what I mean? God. Well, and for everybody that wants to talk about the monsters that were, right? Rick Steiner, five foot 11. Scott <laughs> Steiner, six foot one. No. Six one? Big Papa Pump, only six foot one. <laughs> no, dude, he's six see, foot one Jesus in height, Christ. and he and his biceps are are seven point three. <laughs> Definitely, <laughs> but damn, That's dude, crazy. I didn't even realize that man. Six, six foot two hundred and thirty pounds. Wow, shit! I know Rick Steiner. Rick Steiner didn't come across that tall, right? But Scott Steiner actually surprised me a little bit. I, I'm I'm not gonna lie. By comparison, just for the sake of argument, all right, Randy Orton is six foot five, two hundred and fifty pounds. What? No, get the fuck out of here. Six foot five? Six five, two fifty. So he's got five inches and twenty pounds on Braun Breaker. <laughs> oh fuck. He's gonna dwarf that Damn. kid. Yeah, no, that's not good. Uh, <laughs> that's not gonna look good. That's that's bad. And and that's one of the things about Roman Reigns that makes him so appealing to Vince McMahon. Right. Roman Reigns Absolutely. is six foot three, two hundred and sixty-five pounds. Only six three? He's only six three. But what I mean hell, he's dude? got <laughs> Roman Reigns has got three inches and thirty-five pounds on Braun Breaker. Oh. You know what? I think Brock Lesnar is even six two, bro. I think Brock's like 6'3", something like that. Yeah, 6'2", 6'3". So think about it. I mean, that's not that... I mean, it's tall. It's tall, you know, by the average, like, man. But really, it's not that tall, right? I mean... 6'3", 286. Wow. Damn, they have shrunk, haven't they? Now, I, I'm curious. Well, who are you looking up next? Perfect comparison to Brock Lesnar going back in the day. Who would you say back in the day is the, basically exactly the same size as Brock Lesnar? Six foot three, 270 pounds. And, and I'm talking, talking 80s. 
the 80s. I was going to say that. Like the golden the era. Somebody ex basically exactly the same size as Brock Lesnar from the golden era. Macho Man. Oh, the, Macho Man might be. The, 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 the name that I pulled up, exactly the same size. Hacksaw Jim Duggan. <laughs> and that's why he wasn't really pushed that like hard when you think about it, right? I mean, Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar is the same size as Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Put that in Holy context. Shit. That that's that's wow. <laughs> that's a wow. <laughs> yeah, no, that that is a wow. Did man. anybody think Hacksaw was the biggest freaking guy? I mean, was a, I mean, no, but he was a big boy. But he wasn't as big as the other big boys when you really you know break it down, right? I mean, even Ultimate Warrior, how tall was he actually, dude? He wasn't that tall, I don't think. Macho Man was 6'1", 237. Wow. So, I mean, he would have fit right in. On, he would have been a, a fairly big guy on the modern-day WWE roster. Wow. He was an exception then, dude. 6'1". Dude, no way, dude. Far out. Like, wow, that shocked me. I knew Macho Man would be... Like around the six three mark, I didn't expect six one though, Jago. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> like when you think about it, you know who was basically the same size as Adam Cole. <laughs> Wait, are we going from the <laughs> Go, going back? In are the we going day? back to the eighties? Going back in the day, you know who was basically the same size as Adam Cole? Adam Cole, who's too small. Isn't he? Isn't Adam Cole around five seven, or is that a joke? Like between five no, seven and five he's, nine. He's, he's like five ten. They bill him at is six. He? They, I don't they know. bill him at six foot. I would say he's closer to five ten. He's basically my size. Right, I'm five ten as well. But but anyway, okay. Back then, Coco Beware, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. No, like, nah. Sorry for like banging the table then, but. No, dude. No Adam way. Cole's too You're small. You're telling me. Adam Ricky Cole's too small, but Adam Ricky Cole, the Dragon baby. Steamboat. Ricky no, Steamboat's got man. about 15 pounds on Adam Cole, but they're the same height. What? Dude, first of all, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat came across much bigger, even like in size, right? But we're talking 5'10 now? Yeah. That's what Ricky he, the Dragon Steamboat. 5'10, 235. Damn, dudes. I mean, what did they used to bill him as, though, back then? Do you remember? They probably billed him at six foot, at least. Six I, two, in, at in, least. In the WWE, I guarantee you they billed him at oh. at least six foot. Oh, absolutely. There's no I mean, way. Even no. Jericho. Jericho's only like 5'10", 5'11". Right, but that was a different, you know, the era was, was kind of changing. Even though there was still a few big boys during that time. But, you know. But, yeah, man, that's shocking, dude. That's shocking, this narrative that oh the little guys they just they can't get over that's a, it's a bullshit clearly it's clearly <laughs> bullshit <laughs> clearly bullshit because I don't think people realize I'm glad we went that route because I don't think we meant to even go there we didn't plan this we just went there right but so when you think about it that's shocking dude I, I think we're onto something Jago I mean that's crazy dude I mean. Think about it. You said Scott Steiner six one, Rick Steiner five ten, right? Macho Man six one, was it? Right? Yeah, six one. Steamboat five ten. Wow, that's nuts, dude. I mean, not everybody has to be Kevin Nash. You know, I'm just saying. I love dude. I love me some big sexy, but me too. <laughs> that's crazy, bro. That is fucking nuts. Seriously, I mean, and there was a few. 
think about it. Coco Beware was pretty over. I mean, I mean, he wasn't over like Hogan, but like, you know, they all had their place, right? I mean, look at the Bushwhackers. Surely they were not six foot. Oh, no be. fucking way. Coco Beware, five foot nine, two hundred and twenty-eight pounds. <laughs> no way. <laughs> I mean, dude. <laughs> Let's not That's pretend nuts. like everybody was Big John Stud back in the day, you know? Absolutely not. <laughs> Clearly. Actually, I dare say there was a pretty big portion of that roster back then that was hardly clearing six feet, dude. Yeah, Honky Tonk Man's only 6'1". No. What's Ultimate Warrior? Did you get that, by the way? I'm just curious. He can't be no taller than 6'2". Six 6'2". Two. Six two. All right, there. Yeah, that's about right. Okay. He can get a pass, but he wasn't that much bigger than, say, fucking Bret Hart or Shawn Michaels, for that matter. That's nuts. I think we're, we're really onto something. Yeah, Who's Bret next? was only six foot tall. Yeah, I mean, seriously. <laughs> I dare say that's his build height. I bet right. you he's really 5'10". Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, that's crazy. That's nuts. But everybody likes to point out Bret and Shawn were the ones, you know, that... that you know, were able to bring in the little man into professional wrestling. No, Austin was only 6'2". That's crazy, dude. I mean, he did all right for himself. I mean, more than all right, obviously. The biggest earner in professional wrestling history. I mean, geez. That's crazy. crazy. That's nuts. I mean, even The Rock can't be any taller than 6'2", 6'3", really. Rock's like 6'5". See, okay, I reckon that's his build-like height, though. I think he's really 6'3". Six five two sixty. Okay, that's pretty big. And I've seen Rock in real life. He came across as he's, pretty big. He actually, he is a pretty big dude. Yeah, no, nah, he's big. All right, I'll take that back. I'm thinking since we're on fire, I'm thinking I bet you this guy is a lot shorter. You know what I mean? But um, that's crazy, dude. I mean, look at Rick the Model Martel and like Tito yeah. Santana. Even I mean, they went that big when you think about no. it, right? No, it's crazy. Crazy. That Absolutely. is crazy. That that's that is that is banana, like Pat Patterson would say. <laughs> uh, let, let, let's talk a little bit more pro wrestling. Um, let's talk about the most interesting thing that happened in professional wrestling this week that nobody is talking about. Zack Saber Jr. Zack Saber Jr. is on a freaking tirade through the G one climax. He's tapping everybody out. He took Tetsuya Naito completely out of the tournament. But he submitted Shingo Takagi in a match earlier this week. And, you know, that should entitle him to a shot at the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship against Shingo. Should be a good match. Zach looking like he could be a potential finalist when you look at this year's G1 Climax and the way that things are building at this point. But the most interesting thing that happened in professional wrestling this week, Zach Sabre Jr. said, hey, I tapped out the Japanese dragon. Now give me the American dragon. Jimmy, is there a possibility that we're going to see Brian Danielson in new Japan pro wrestling? Because it sure seems like there's a really good possibility. We're going to see Brian Danielson in a new Japan ring. And that is exciting and terrifying all at the same time. (laughs) That's true. Terrifying. Definitely. And yes, I believe. And if rumors are to be believed, he did ask as one of his conditions that he was able to work in Japan. So, and I see no reason why he won't. I think this will happen. Actually, I'll bet my house on it that it's going to happen 
100%. And that match would be nuts. So Zach is tapping out Shingo Takagi. He's tapping out Kota Ibushi. He's tapping out Tetsuya Naito. Where are you with Zack Sabre Jr.? Where is Zack inside of his career at this point? I mean, we saw a couple years ago, he won the New Japan Cup. He got pushed into a main event. They kind of pulled him back a little bit. He wasn't quite ready for it. Since then, since teaming up with Taichi, I feel like Zack has really added like a whole nother element to his character. And now as he is doing the singles run through the G1, he is just relentless. Is this going to work for Zack? Like, is Zack a big enough name for Brian? Would this be treated as the dream match that I see it as? It's only for the purists, Jago, unfortunately, right? You know, for the fan like you and I, this is a dream match, dude. This is a match that we absolutely are looking forward to. If Zack showed up on Dynamite, would people pop for Zack Sabre Jr.? I don't know, dude. I'm not sure. Like, I really... It depends on the town, dude. Like, I, mean, I was worried look, about them popping for Minoru Suzuki. Me too. Will they pop the for Zack Sabre Jr.? Like, even in, like, a New York or Chicago, would they pop for Zack Sabre Jr.? I just... I don't have a Ugh. good feeling for his status inside the States. Yeah, it's a hard one to gauge, though. You're right. It, it's a hard one to gauge. Look. I don't know. I can't answer that question because I don't know. But in saying that, with Minoru Suzuki, I felt the same way as you did. I was nervous for Minoru if, you know, if the crowd didn't go, you know, cousin Narei, right? I mean, I would have been like, damn, right? But they did. They sung along with it. And the place was unglued. But we're talking about Zack Sabre Jr., right? I think he'd get booed, but it'd be one of those sort of... uh, reactions where out of respect they're gonna boom you can't cheer him dude like really well and then there's also the problem that you have to explain Zack Sabre Jr. to everybody because one one of the first things when when somebody new sees a Zack Sabre Jr. match I always get the explain Zack Sabre Jr. to me and I I don't necessarily understand why it's so hard to understand because I feel like Zack's selling especially the last couple of years has really come a long way. Like Zach will hit you with everything. He will like hit you like seven, eight times for it to equal one of your punches. Because if you punch Zach Saber Jr., he dead. He he's down for like five freaking minutes, right? It doesn't take much to put Zach down. It's just don't let him get a hold of you. Yeah, exactly. And that's how you explain it. Cause a fan that just sort of look, and I'll admit, I was I was even guilty of this at first. I didn't really like him, well, right? He looks like a junior. I mean, yeah. I mean, look at him. He looks very. I mean, think about it. He looks skinny. He's very unassuming. He has put on some weight in the last year, I, which I think has has suited him well. But I mean, Zach putting on weight looks like soaking wet. He's still like 180 <laughs> pounds. <laughs> right, but you know what? After going through the years of watching him now. I totally love him, dude. Like, I love his whole gimmick. I love his whole, like, he's a he's a technician, dude. He's, t- he's a typical British wrestler, really. When you, when you break it down, he's a typical British wrestler. He knows every submission hold under the sun. And to a casual fan that just sort of comes across him, they all say, he look, he's boring. Look at him. How can you be into someone like him? He looks like, she looks like a surfboard. 
But man, believe me when I tell you guys, give him a chance and you'll fall in love with this guy. He's he's that good. You know what I mean? All that goes out the window. You forget his whole image. He's one tough bastard, dude. Legit. You know what I mean? And he can fold you up in all sorts of fucking directions. Do you just save it? I mean, because we know, granted, there's like this whole global pandemic and nobody really knows what's going to happen as we sit down here to record today. But we do know Tony Khan has a large presence in the UK. We do know that Tony Khan wants to run an AEW pay-per-view at some point in the UK. Right. That doesn't need a title. Like, can you do Brian Danielson versus Zack Sabre Jr. even cold in the UK? I mean, because I, I feel like that audience clearly would know what the hell's going on. You know what, Jagger? I dare say, would they? I mean, think about it, dude. He was well, never I mean, like the, a mainstream guy. Well, and the thing is, people, my understanding is people in the UK don't really like Zach because Zach's like yeah. a heel and he like shits all over the UK whenever he gets the opportunity because Zach's a heel. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, but he's got that, that, that British snobbiness to him, you know, like, and I'm not, I'm not doing that because he's Italian. I'm doing that like, you know, he's like, oh, fuck off. Get the fuck out of here. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, he's like, like, you know, yeah, the UK is so great that I fucking left that place to come live in Japan. Like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) he's just, he's the most not, you know what? He's William Regal in many ways, dude. Very much so. Yeah, but 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 like full amplified, dude. Like, I mean, amplified. We, We talk about revisionist history. Is William Regal getting close to that? Like, I, I feel like people like all of a sudden love William Regal. And it's like because they see him as the authority figure in NXT and he's such a sympathetic character and people really, really like William Regal. And now they just apply that to like his wrestling career, too. Or it's like, go back and watch some of William Regal's matches. For the love of God, he was ruthless. He is the British version of JBL in many ways, dude. Yes, that's a great comparison. He was a bully, bro. Oh, he was so great. But it was the same thing where it was like, you know, you watch his style and it's like, it's kind of boring. But I mean, he had more size to him, you know, which gave him more credibility in there with those giants. But with Zach, it's like it's all leverage. And it's he wrestles. I, I learned this about Minoru Suzuki. And I never knew this, but it makes so much sense. Minoru Suzuki applies a submission hold for three seconds and no longer. Really? I never noticed. <laughs> it's a Carl Gotch thing. It, like Carl Gotch trained him that you, you put yeah, somebody exactly. in a submission for three seconds and then you transition to another submission move and then you transition to another submission move. And I watched like all those tag matches with Zach and Suzuki that were just, I love that tag team. Like when Suzuki would work the head, Zach would work the leg and then they would rotate like yeah. every three seconds. And it was like, just leave him in a freaking hold. He'll tap <laughs> out. Right. But now I understand like that's actually part of the training coming from the school of gotch. And it makes so much more sense. Like why Suzuki lets somebody go from a freaking sleeper hold for three seconds. So we can go for the gotch style pile driver and miss it. Like that's, that's (laughs) almost a signature spot at this point. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, it's true. I mean, and, and you, you know, if you know Minoru Suzuki, you know, exactly all about, you know, his history with gotch, you know what I mean? So, 
I mean, dude, it's pretty, that's pretty awesome. I actually didn't actually notice that. I never actually realized it. I but, mean, I mean so adding like little stuff like that into Zach's game, I feel like right. it just made him so much better. And now the character work alongside a freaking Tai Chi. It was like he got all the ruthlessness from Suzuki. Yeah. Now he's getting yeah. all the character <laughs> stuff from Tai Chi. Like, can we buy, especially in the pandemic era with a very, very thin roster... Could you buy Zack Sabre Jr. as actually winning the G1 Climax? Yes, for me, absolutely, dude. And you brought up about his uh, him winning the New, J- the New Japan Cup, right? I felt like that was his time in many ways, but then they, they pushed they back on it back for whatever reason, right? Now they seem to like give this another shot and see where they go with it. I think go for it, man. I think he'd be a great champion, actually, as a matter of fact. Can you imagine how cocky he would be? Oh, my God. He'd be insufferable. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm actually, like, laughing thinking about it because I would actually like it. I'd like it a lot. As long as they let him just go for an absolute run with it. You know what I mean? Make him absolutely beat everybody for a while, right? And just, you know, run with him. Pass him. Give him the ball and let him run with it, dude. I, I'm all for it. I'm really interested what they're going to do with Zach. Because as I look at this year's G1, let's see if I can find um, the actual standings here. They normally have like the XO bracket. Here we go. So Zack Sabre Jr. So he's beaten the great Okan. Not necessarily a big deal. But he taps no, out right. Kota Ibushi. He taps out Tetsuya Naito. He taps out Shingo Takagi. And as you look at the rest of his opponents, he has Tangaloa. He has Yujiro Takahashi. He has Toru Yano. And then he has Ishii and Kenta. Wow. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm having a hard time seeing how you justify Zack Sabre Jr. not winning this block when he has wins over Shingo Takagi and Kota Ibushi and Tetsuya Naito. Like, there's nobody left that is going to give Zack a run for his money here. Wow. That's that's interesting, dude. I, I mean... Just, I just, I don't get it. You know, wow. like, I, I don't get it. Wow. I think he's going to win it, dude. I mean, he's still, he's only got that one match up on Shingo. That's the only match that Shingo has lost at this point. Right. And, and that's exactly what I'm looking at right now. I mean, and Great Khan is four and one, right? Uh, yes. But, I mean, when you I look mean, at the Great Khan, he has beaten Tangaloa. He has beaten Yujiro Takahashi. He has beaten Toru Yano. Like, he hasn't ran into Murderer's Row yet. Like, Okan, I expect, is going to finish kind of middle of the road. He still has matches with Ibushi, Ishii, Kenta, and Shingo. Well, by the looks of things, I think Zack Sabre Jr. will probably win a block, right? And well, then I you've mean, got Kazoo- I'm, looking, I'm looking at it. I, I still think Shingo can win this thing. I mean, because Shingo, he he only has the loss to Zach. 
Right. Zach is going to lose a couple. I, I could see Zach losing to Ishii. I could see Zach losing to Kenta by some nefarious ways. That I can see, right. And there's fucking Yano. <laughs> fucking Yano is all like he already got Kenta. He already got Tangaloa. He he gets the win versus Tetsuya Naito by forfeit. He lost to Great Okan. He lost to Kota Ibushi. I'm gonna go out on a Toru Yano is gonna beat Zack Saber Jr. in this tournament. It's gonna happen. And and Zach's gonna be yeah. pissed. <laughs> I can definitely see that, even though I like Yano, you know that, right? But they shouldn't go that way. But it's character development if Yano does get over Zack Sabre Jr., really, when you think about it. Because he'll be pissed. You know oh, what I mean? Yano will be selling you shit. You know? Irate. <laughs> Irate. <laughs> oh, that'd be brilliant, though, in many ways. But look, dude, I actually do think he will win a block. I still believe that. I don't know about Shingo just yet. I feel like he's... Uh, I don't know, dude. Well, who, it's a who, tough one. Who else, it's a tough as one. you're looking at standings, who else do you currently see? I mean, you've got Zach at four and one, Okan at four and one, Yano's got three wins, Kenta's got three wins, Ibushi's up to three wins, Shingo with three wins. I mean, I feel like it's got to be Kota, Shingo, or Zach. Right. No, that will definitely them three, but don't. Also, like, underestimate Kenta in all of this. I think he'll pick up a couple of wins still. Oh, I think Kenta um, will be in the mix, but I, I, right, I'm guessing right. that Kenta won't have any of the tiebreakers. Hmm. It, it's it's tough, dude. It's 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 tough. And and even, oh, I don't rule out Toru Yanu, I, I mean, either. You know yeah, what I mean? They're not putting Yano in the finals. No, Come the fuck on, No, no, Jay. no. But, hey, don't, hey, I'm telling you, dude, don't ever put it past him, right? I'm telling oh, you. The roster might be thin, but the day that Toru Yano goes to the G1 Climax final, I'm fucking done. <laughs> like, this week on the Big Vito brand, we talked about, like, when do you break up with your favorite sports team, right? Like, if you were right. a Jets fan, how long do you put up with this shit? You're, you're a fan of the New York football Jets. Like, my <laughs> God, that franchise has been a mess for most of your lives, right? At what point the do you Jets, say, you really? know what? Fuck it. I'm done. Like, for me, it would be Sam Darnold getting traded away and now being undefeated, you know, with the Carolina Panthers just tearing shit up, just going through Dude. shit. Like, I if I was a Jets right. fan, I'd be done. Toru Yano well, makes the finals. I'm done, bro. I'm out. Like, 10 fucking I'm gonna, Gs. I'm going to hold you to that, Josh. <laughs> I'm going to really hold you to that. Gladly. Every, remember, everybody that's listening to the show... Remember him saying that and hold it against him when it does happen. Yano <laughs> I'm only finals. joking. Get the fuck But in out. saying that, who the fuck wears a Jets jersey, bro? Yeah, <laughs> Seriously. I mean, I've, I've never seen anyone wear a Jets jersey. I'm being honest here, right? And even though I'm in Australia, trust me, a lot of people are into the NFL, right? The I've never seen anyone wear a Jets jersey, let alone an American wearing, or a New Yorker for that matter, wearing a Jets jersey. Just saying. Yeah, like the Giants might be in the toilet, but they're not the freaking Jets. Like, my <laughs> God. It's embarrassing. Oh, it's embarrassing. That's pretty bad. Maybe they need to relocate. Ooh, did I just say that? Well, they are in Jersey. What am I talking about? Yeah, right. <laughs> New York football Jets and the New York football Giants both play in New Jersey. Like, somebody explain that to you. Just... How silly. 
As we look at the anyway. B, as we look at the B block, Jeff Cobb leading the way with eight points, Okada with eight points. They meet on the final night. I have felt since I saw the layout of the tournament that that was going to determine who wins the B block. I assume that is going to be Okada. I still expect Okada to win this tournament. See, and I, and I was thinking of you as I'm as I'm looking at B block, four and zip. I mean, yeah, Kazuchika Okada is definitely going to win it. Even though I'd be happy with Jeff Cobb winning it, right? The B block. Because I feel like he's taking his game to a whole different level. Absolutely. Especially this year. Completely different Cobb. And I love this new and improved Cobb. But like you were saying like a couple of weeks ago, we need something to be done with Okada right now because, you know, he hasn't had the best of years. And if they don't, you know, pull the trigger with him winning it, where to after that, Right. So I think you're right. I think they will go with Okada in the end. But I, but if it was up to me, I would want Zack Sabre Jr. to actually win it. If it was my call. You know what I mean? But that's just me. I feel like Okada is Okada all of a sudden. Like, we, we've kind of been wondering what the hell's going on with Kazuchika Okada. It, w- it was like, you know, 500 days or something like that between mm-hmm. title matches for Okada. All of a sudden... 21 minutes and 46 seconds against Evil. 29 minutes and 36 seconds against Tanahashi. 26 minutes and 53 seconds in the main event of a G1 show against Yoshi Bon Jovi. And it (laughs) felt like a main event match. All of a sudden, the Rainmaker feels like the Rainmaker again. He's going out there and he's having main event Rainmaker matches. I feel like we got our Okada back. I agree, one hundred percent. I mean, I can't argue that. And in many ways, you'd want like I do hope Okada wins it, but you know, it's Okada. I mean, he's their safe bet, right? You know, when shit's down, you give Okada the belt, man, and you know he elevates the company every time, dude. But I want to see him for once in like an AEW ring, dude. I really do. I want to see him go to the states and actually stay there for a little bit and, and do his thing. Because you know what I'm worried about, dude? Look at Jay Lethal. I mean, Jay Lethal. Jay White. I mean, I mean, do you feel like, is it just me or does it feel like he's, his momentum has totally just gone straight down? Yeah. I, well, I feel that way about everybody that's over at, at Strong right at the moment. And it's not that I feel like Absolutely. Strong is, right. is a bad program. No. It, it's it just, just, it's not clicking. It's not clicking at all. Um, and why is that? You know what I mean? I mean, it's too weird because you're right. Why? Too much content. Yeah, you think it's that? Yeah. That's a real shame too because it's a it's a good it's show, a great damn show, right? It's a good show. Absolutely. But right now, it, I feel it, like they're kind of competing with MLW and ROH. You know, and they, they got to work their way up. And I think they've got the better sort of roster right now. I mean, if you want to call it a roster, uh, right even now, over those companies right now, right right now, uh, as long as you got guys like Will Ospreay and Jay White over there, yeah, like right now. Yeah. But what happens when they go back to Japan? Well, if I were them, I'd be trying to get back to Japan ASAP because them being based in the states right now is just not clicking. Unless they show up in AEW, and this is where I don't understand New Japan right now. Why not let these guys? go there and do their thing that way they don't lose you know any of their momentums they can get re-elevated if they're pushed you know in aw right at this point if i was you know new japan let them fucking go there 
having him in Impact is just doing nothing, right? Yeah, because nobody watches Except for Finn Juice, right? But I feel like Finn Juice is doing it right over there. But but Jay Jay White, hell no, put him on AEW, get him away from uh, you know from Strong Style. Unfortunately, even though it's a good sh- it's a good show, but it's just not clicking. It's just they're fading, dude. Right now, I want Jay White versus Moxley. I want. Oh, that'd be brilliant. Give it to me. But I want Jay White. Yeah, hell yeah. And, but I want Jay White to go over though. That's the thing. You know what I'm saying? And, and will they? Will they allow him to go over? I don't know. Now I feel like all three of these guys kind of play into this story, right? I feel like. Kazuchika Okada, Will Ospreay, and Shingo Takagi all kind of play into the story that's going on with the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. I think that your final is Shingo versus Okada. How do you book it? Who wins it if it comes down to Shingo or Okada? Because And it's really what's the best story? Because if Shingo wins, he's going to name Ospreay as his challenger for Wrestle Kingdom. If Okada wins, he faces Shingo at Wrestle Kingdom. There's three nights of Wrestle Kingdom, though. Does Okada go over? You get Okada versus Osprey night one. You get the winner versus Shingo night two. And then you let, like, Hiromu headline a dome show for night three. Or Hiromu, or, or, definitely. I, or, or, like, you know, night one and night three are the heavyweights and night two is the juniors, like, however you want to do it. But it becomes a little bit of a clusterfuck, though, if you start doing that. You know what I'm saying? Um, I don't know. That's a tough one. Because um, I'm not upset to see Osprey and Okada again. Neither am I. Absolutely not. But at the same time, you'd want Shingo and Osprey. You know what I'm saying? Because they, they need to. They have to. Like, they have to go there. You know what I'm they saying? They have to unify that title. Right. Oh, they absolutely must. But who would you go with then? Say we do get an Osprey Shingo match. Just say for your unification, who do you go with? Depends on Osprey's <laughs> health. You know what I mean? Like if Osprey is healthy, and, and you're going to have full time Osprey, I go with Osprey. Absolutely. If I there's agree. any question about that, I go with Shingo. My number one option is I go with Okada. Hmm. And you were all in for um, Shingo, really, dude, not not long ago. So, no, I, I I love Shingo. I think Shingo is the wrestler of the year. But I feel like New Japan, the business model in Japan is different. You have to put yeah. asses in seats in Japan. Absolutely, right. And I feel like Okada puts asses in seats. I'm not sure as good as Shingo is that he's putting asses in seats necessarily just yet. I think you're right. I hate to say it. I think you're right. It's true, dude. But in saying that, how many times do you want to go, you know, that Okada route? Eventually, is it going to wear off? Well, I mean, look at how long it's been, though. That's true, too. But it, but it almost feels like, even though it's been a long time. It's been almost it feels two like one- years by the time you get to Wrestle Kingdom. Since no, Okada was really shaming. that long. Holy shit. It doesn't feel like it. No, I know, yeah, but be it's, it's been a grip. I mean, it was like 500 wow. days from when he lost the title to he challenged Shingo for the title. He then lost. Right. By the time right, he challenges right. for the title again, it's going to be almost two years. Holy shit. Time flies, man. Well, I mean, but and it helps point. if he held the title for 720 days. You know, that's I mean, true too. Because you can never picture the belt away from me. And when the belt, what I do like about his sort of story arc. When he doesn't have the belt, he's not himself. 
Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He's just weird and wacky and just not he himself. He plays champion you know I mean? well. It's like Nick right. Aldis without Sweet Charlotte. Like Exactly. But in, in Aldis's case, I think it's bad, though, because him without the belt is just not the same person at all. Whereas at least Okada, he's still very much Okada, just not the Rainmaker sort of version, if that makes any sense. Right? Hang, on, hang, hang on one second. I got to piss. Welcome to intermission. Yeah, intermission. Yeah, put the belt back on Okada. All right. I mean, I'm down for it, but at the same time, I want to see a Shingo Osprey sort of unification match too. And if that means Okada, well, I mean, do we. Okay, which do you right. do first? Right? Like, let's say Okada wins the G1. Right. Okada is entitled to challenge for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship inside right. of the Tokyo Dome or the Yokohama so Dome or that. whatever it is, right? I was going to ask that because does he have to, you know, have his total shot, say, at the Tokyo Dome? Well, it it has to be at Wrestle Kingdom, right? Whether it's night one, two, or three. So does Okada face Osprey and then the winner faces Shingo? Or does Shingo and Osprey face off night one to unify the title regardless? And then the winner has to face Okada. Yeah, I mean, I'll go I mean, that he way. Won the and G1. Have him... He shouldn't have right, to win yeah. two more matches. No, no, absolutely not. I'd have them main eventing night three, whoever wins the Shingo Osprey match, right? So night one, you'd have Osprey and Shingo f- to f- to unify the title. Night two, you have Hiromu. The only problem with that, if kind of like overshadows Hiromu a little bit. If you go Akata night three, it's like he's in the middle of that. It kind of, uh, it's kind of bad. I don't like the three night crap anyway. First of all, I don't either. I don't know why. It's silly. I thought two nights was silly, but three nights is just stupid at this point. If but whatever. If if that is the plan, if you're gonna let Hiromu headline the Tokyo Dome, which I'm all in for, absolutely. Who does he headline the Tokyo Dome against? I feel like this is the problem with Hiromu headlining the Tokyo Dome. You have to have an opponent for Hiromu to headline the Tokyo Dome. And I don't know who that person is. I would have said Robbie Eagles, but he's not that guy for that. No way, right? So to headline the Tokyo Dome? No, I know, like, I know. That's silly. No, but see, but then who? El Desperado, maybe? I don't even feel like... Does Despy have that kind of star power? He was sort of on his way, right? I felt. And then they cut his balls off. Right. Exactly. Great, great way to put it. I mean, they really cut his balls off, which I don't understand why. I don't know, dude. You know who could elevate, though, really? I feel, but they just don't. Bushi. 
Even though he's part of you know, yeah, yeah, but Nable. Yeah, but that's the thing. But you could have something, you know. I also them I two. wonder: Are we going to get a best of Super Juniors um, towards I, the end of the year? Like they because they've been doing it in December rather than right. doing it in March. Because Which is weird. I feel like what I would like to see them do requires Hiromu being champion. I mean, if, if if you're going to bring it, because I don't feel like there's anybody in the company that is a big enough star to headline the Tokyo Dome against Hiromu Takahashi I, inside of the junior division. I just don't see it. Right. Which so I feel like dude. you have to bring in somebody from the outside. I want but, to see Dragon Lee. I mean, give me Dragon Lee versus Hiromu, but the problem is I don't think right. Dragon Lee's a big enough star. But the story, <laughs> no way. the story well, dictates. The story, definitely. Right? Definitely the story. Absolutely the story. But is, is Dragon this, Lee... Is this where we get Brian? It, could we get Brian Danielson versus Hiromu Takahashi in the Tokyo oh, Dome dude. for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship? Oh. Because Brian Danielson's only 210 pounds. He's a freaking cruiserweight. Let's be real here, right? I, I mean, mean like, let's be real. He's a junior heavyweight. Right, absolutely. I mean, that as would much be awesome as we too. talk about Zack Saber Junior versus Brian Danielson, everybody wants a piece of the American Dragon these days. But I could see <laughs> Hiromu being one of those guys that Brian saw on video and said, "I have to work with that guy. I it have to awesome. work with him." <laughs> Like, because Hiromu's batshit crazy. And I could see <laughs> Brian saying, I want to work with him. Like, going out, like, part of the reason I left the WWE was to come to New Japan Pro Wrestling because I want to wrestle Hiromu Takahashi. I could see Brian Danielson, those words coming out of his mouth. Okay, all right. But in, but you saying that, do we make it for the Junior Heavyweight Championship? Yeah. To headline the Tokyo Dome, don't you got to put those stakes on it? Well, do you? When it comes to Danielson against Hiromu here, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I, well, I personally mean, think you don't, if, you don't even need the championship for this. If somehow Hiromu could convince Mr. Belto to come home, <laughs> because the storyline as it stands right now, I don't know if you're following this, but this is the best storyline in New Japan Pro Wrestling. The reason Hiromu lost to Robbie Eagles, your brother from Down Under, <laughs> is because Mr. Belto is mad at Hiromu Takahashi. So once again, we have a member of Los Ingobernables in a story with the championship belt going on. That's <laughs> never happened before. Oh, wait, there's the Intercontinental Belt right there. Right. <laughs> um, so so Beltson is mad at Hiromu because Hiromu has had to give him up now twice due to injury. And Beltsan does not like being abandoned by Hiromu. He's mad at Hiromu, and he's not going back home with Hiromu. That is the story that they have told. If this was anybody but Hiromu Takahashi, I would be so firmly against this. But Nah, this works, dude. It's, it's Hiromu, and Hiromu providing the commentary for both people and changing his voice so that he sounds like Mr. Beltson. You know, I mean, it's... I love it, dude. But you know Hiromu is insane, so right, it's right, okay right. that he's having conversations with the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. Just par it's for normal. the course for Hiromu. Right. Right? Absolutely. And that's what makes him great, though, man. I mean, seriously. 
but but he's he's like, like he's kind of like MJF because Hiromu lives that gimmick. Like I don't know if you've ever seen like any of his YouTube videos yeah, or Hiromu, like outside yeah. of New Japan. <laughs> yeah. That's not a character. He really is batshit insane. Or at least he has me. He has me convinced. Do you see, ever see Hiromu being a normal human being? No, 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 no. I can't see that. Absolutely, he reminds me of Brian Pillman in some ways too, dude. Yeah, like, he you know, lives that gimmick. He lives right, the right, gimmick, right. just like MJF. Yeah, like he right. lives that gimmick. You know, it's great. I love Hiro or MJF saying to Cody Rhodes on uh, Roads to the Top that uh, he hates his kid. You know, like I think that's fantastic. <laughs> While laughing about it and smiling. Yeah, I hate your kid. It's like he means it, dude. I mean, come on. <laughs> it's totally in character for MJF. That's why he's a smart kid, dude. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He gets it. But 50 Hiromu's years from insane, now, man. we're going to look back on him as the greatest baby face that there ever was, just like the nature boy Ric Flair. I mean, wow. get the fuck out of here. To bring the whole conversation full circle, right? Oh, my God, dude. If that happens, right, I would go crazy because <laughs> I can't picture it. <laughs> Seriously. I can't picture it. Whereas Hiromi, you know, is a great baby face being batshit crazy. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, it just works for him. He's just got this weird it factor about him. You know what I'm saying? Which is, I can't really pinpoint what it is. He's just loaded with charisma. And I know, like, a lot of people that are not too familiar with Hiromi, and if they saw him, they'd probably just look at him like he's some Asian guy, which is silly, right? And he's, what is he supposed to be? Like... You know what I mean? That, that there's a lot of He's people that just insane. don't seem to get it, unfortunately. Well, and and, and unfortunately, the, the negative aspect of Hiromu and Hiromu being insane <laughs> is Hiromu gets hurt because right. Hiromu wrestles like Hiromu is insane. Like he has one speed and it's go. And while a lot of guys, I feel like they're just trying to get their shit in with Hiromu, it makes sense because he's <laughs> insane. Well, see, does, then I ask you this, Jago. If we do, say, get a Danielson-Hiromi match, right, would they be a danger to each other? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> well, there you go. I, I mean, feel like Daniel shit. Bryan, Bryan Danielson, Bryanson, Hiromu, <laughs> I feel like they're they're the same person. Like, And that's the point I'm trying to make. Like, Bryan is insane. We, he is, we know, anyways, he, we he is, know right. at any given moment in time, one bump is all it's going to take for Brian Danielson. And one that's bump. that's the scary thing about watching Brian in the ring. Hiromu's not too far off with the style that he wrestles. We know at any given moment in time, Hiromu's going to hit his head. He's going to break his leg. He's going to tear his pectoral oh, muscle. He's going to have his neck broken by Dragon Lee. I mean, like... Oh, they, it. But it's it's any number of things, and it all just plays Shit. into that character. Brian Danielson is very much the same person, it just in an American context. He's right, insane. Right. Oh, you're right. It's true. I mean, and that's what worries me about a match like this, dude. But it's I'll also the, the reason I want to see it. <laughs> Absolutely. But I want to see at it. At the same time. <laughs> you're sick, Jago. No. I know. No, I, seriously. It's like... <laughs> Well, I mean, come on. Let, let, let's not pretend like people don't watch fucking auto racing for the car crashes. <laughs> I mean, like, 
Otherwise, yeah, it's just cars yeah, going yeah. around in a fucking circle. No, you're waiting for the first guy who turns right. That's what you're waiting for. You're waiting for the motherfucker to smack the wall. You hope there's carnage. You hope there's fire. Oh, my God, if we can get an ambulance involved in the jaws of life to go drag the driver out, that's even better. Nobody's watching the race. We're watching the carnage. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. As bad as that is, it's true, dude. And yeah, I mean, I mean hey, man, let's just true. be honest it's, about it. Fuck, let's be real, right? It's true. I mean, especially stock car racing, dude, going around around. Yes. Yeah, NASCAR. You know what I mean? I mean, shit, dude. Let's be real. You're right, man. It's true. But man, I'll, I'd love to see this match. I just hope they don't kill each other, man, and end each other's careers. That's the only thing that worries me. Wait, but which, which, which one are it. you talking about? Brian Danielson or Dragon both Lee? Of them. Because I feel oh. like that's the same story with both guys. That's what I'm saying. That's what I mean. It's it's crazy, dude. So, hey, I'm down, but I'm more down for Danielson. I mean, yeah, Danielson and fucking and, and Hiromi, dude. That would be an absolute dream match for me. If you're going to do an AEW crossover against Hiromu Takahashi, is Danielson the right choice? Absolutely. If it's a if it's a Tokyo Dome match, yes. Because like you said before, who the hell do you put against Hiromu? It's got to be a Hiromu's big star. on a different level. It has to be. Hiromu's on a different planet, dude. But in saying that, let's play in multiple ways. Hiromu is on a different planet. Absolutely, yeah, literally. But um, like after this, would you? Is it time for Hiromu to pack on the weight and maybe move up to heavyweight, dude? I don't think so. No, I don't. I don't see it for Hiromu. I know people ask me this question a lot. And here's the thing with Hiromu. When you look at guys who have done that, you look at guys like Ibushi, um, Kenny Omega, right? And they grew, dude, both of them. Right. But look at their frame and the way that they carry the weight. Right, right. I'm afraid that Hiromu, rather than looking like a Kota Ibushi or a Kenny Omega with his frame, he's he's already got got like the skinny fat thing, right? Yeah, you're right. You're like right, that, you're it's right. just that, that his baby frame. fat, sort of loose, sort right? Of skin, like the right. way that he's built. Yeah, you know, yeah. kind of like you know Samoa Joe. Nobody ever thought Samoa yeah, Joe yeah. was out of shape. That was just his body size and his body because right, he's Samoan, right? Right. right. Hiromu's kind of got the skinny fat thing going. Kind of like yeah, Adam no, Cole. Right. He's a fat piece of shit, right? Yeah, yeah. Like no matter <laughs> what he does, Adam Cole's not getting abs. It's not happening, right? <laughs> Hiromu, very much the same way. The the guy I would compare him to is Tai Chi. Oh, absolutely. Remember absolutely. when cuz I remember when Tai Chi was a junior and he put on weight and now Tai Chi kind of <laughs> looks like a fat piece of shit. Like <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Fuck. Like, no matter what Tai Chi does, Tai Chi is not going to look uh, like Sonata. No matter what he does. Like, it's just not in his body chemistry to right, look right. that way. And with the right. way that his body puts on weight, he looks chubby. No, and, you're right. It's and true. Hiromu, I'm afraid, would carry the weight the same way. Like, I just don't think He's- it's his body type. He's kind of got bitch tits, if you know what I'm saying, right? See, you I was trying saying? to avoid saying exactly that. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, I think at this I point, Tai Chi's cup size might be larger than Miho Abe's. <laughs> but, but, 
You know, I mean, oh, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that. Well, I said it. I said it. So you can put it on me. It's all but your you fault, know Jimmy T. It's my fault. It's I'll, I'll take that fault. one. But Tai Chi at least now looks like a heavyweight. And I don't mean that in yeah, a no, fatty he does. way. He does. Right. But yeah. he looked so, better as a junior because of his frame. Absolutely. No, you're right. I agree. I would rather see Hiromu become Jushin Thunder Liger. I would like to see him become Tiger Mask. I would like to see him become this legendary figure inside of the junior heavyweight division that people are talking about. Is he the greatest junior heavyweight of all time by the end of his career rather than becoming Tai Chi on the main, on the heavyweight <laughs> roster? You know what I mean? <laughs> no, you're right. But the problem, see, you brought up one interesting thing. You said Jushin Thunder Liger. Tiger Mask, right? Two of the greatest of all time. There's the issue, though. We need another Liger or a Tiger Mask to complement Hiromu. And the problem, that's the problem. You know what I mean? So who's that person? I don't know yet, right? But they need to start doing something about it now. Otherwise, you sort of put Hiromu in a bad spot, you know, if no one else is going to be elevated. Well, that's what I'm worried about. I, I, I made this pitch... A long, long time ago, and as we wrap things up this week, I will make it one more time just in case it, it would come true. And this is so much cooler than anything else they're going to do with it. It's about time for Shooter to return. It's about time for Shota Umino to return to New Japan Pro Wrestling. Shota Umino is just about the same exact size as Jushin Thunder Liger. I have said the Tiger Mask persona has been passed on generation to generation. I think it is time for Jushin Liger to be reborn in New Japan Pro Wrestling. I would put Shota underneath of the Liger hood. I would put him in the full bodysuit, and I would not tell anybody that that is Shota Umino. I would just let that be Jushin Thunder Liger too. I believe I was on the show when you said that, actually, and I remember you saying that, right? And you're so right, but the thing is, the kid's got good looks, dude. It, I know. But you know what I'm saying? As Red Shoes' son, is he ever going to get a fair shot? Yes. Do you think you so? You know why? Yes, man. He's too good, man. Come on. Uh, you know what? He's actually sort of building himself. Like, I'm hearing a lot about him again. Like on you know in the UK and in, in the independent circuit over there, like I feel like he's sort of making waves, dude, over there. Well, for me, like you know, I seem to be seeing a lot about him, right? That's tough, dude, because I, I I like that. I like what you said about him being the next Liger, right? But at the same time, he's too. Do you really put him under the hood of Liger, right? Where he's, I feel like he's got this natural charisma about him. Always knew he was going to be good. Well, He's I mean, already okay, you know, fast. but yeah. let's not pretend like Liger didn't have charisma to him. No, absolutely and, right. And absolutely, if you don't, yeah. if if you really think Shooter is going to be good, I feel like that's all the more reason to do it because you could have another twenty to thirty years of Jushin Thunder Liger, and the the Liger franchise 
when it comes to the animes, when it comes to the comic books, when it comes to the record albums, when it comes, I mean, Liger in Japan, I mean, he's like the fucking pro wrestling version of Hello Kitty. Like he's <laughs> yeah, huge. Like the, the marketing behind Tiger Mask and Jushin Liger, you could have, if you're really confident Shooter's going to be that good, I feel like that's all the more reason to put him under the Liger mask and get that marketing of another 30 years of Liger. I mean, let's remember when Kota Ibushi returned to New Japan Pro Wrestling, they put him underneath a fucking Tiger mask hood. Yeah, that's strange. Tiger Mask W. Nobody else could pull it off. Right. I mean, he was like the real life Tiger Mask W. But it kind of looked like him under that hood, though, if that makes I any sense. I loved it, though. I mean, because yeah, Ibushi cool. looks like a fucking superhero, right? Give him That's the mask saying, right. and the tiger bit. Oh, it was great. And the cape? Yeah. Oh, it was it works fantastic. For him. It works for him. But you could sort of tell it was Kota, though. It's, well, but it's it was also to... a punishment, is what it was, for leaving and coming yeah. to do the Cruiserweight Classic. You, you think it was because oh, of that? Oh, I absolutely believe that that's what it was. Interesting. Yeah, because, yeah, I remember that match, dude. I actually remember oh, that Oh, dude, match. he did that for like a year. They kept him underneath of that fucking hood and shit. Right. Well, well what stands out to me was him and Tiger Mask. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was at the Tokyo Dome, yeah. actually, where that match happened. Yeah, so. I loved it. I would have left him underneath of the fucking Tiger Mask hood. Because, it's again, it's Kota Ibushi. Look at the marketing right. behind Tiger Mask on a global right, scale. Right. I mean, that's a lot of fucking money, man. You know? And look, he used to, you know, have that mask at one stage. You know, he's only a legend, right? And, and well, and that's because- the thing. Like, Tiger Mask, and I, I feel like Liger is this way too, but Tiger Mask, even more so, that you, your grandmother, if you show up in a Tiger Mask hood, <laughs> she knows what it is. It's insane. Right, right. Like, ti- the Tiger Mask is so iconic. That it just it got over to like Andre the fucking giant levels, like oh, it, absolutely. And, and I feel like Liger is right up. Liger's probably more like Mysterio, you know what I mean? Like I put him level. even higher, dude. I, I do too ways. on a global right. scale. I put him right, higher, right, but right, I mean in the states in Mexico, uh, like in Mexico, I'm sure Ray's a bigger deal, even though Liger oh, did tour fucking but Liger Mexico was a huge too. Deal in Mexico, yeah, bro. What do you exactly. mean? Yeah, I mean, come on. I mean, and dude. Liger was one of the first ever professional wrestlers I saw in real life. I'm pretty sure I've told you this story, but the first time I ever came across him was back in 92. I didn't have a clue who no. the fuck Liger was, but I saw him as a kid and I was like, who that who the hell is that? I never forgot you know, I never forgot him, dude. Liger and, and Muda. since then Liger right, and Muda absolutely. on WCW. That's what that Muda was my well, yeah. introduction to Japanese pro wrestling. Right, and if it wasn't, well, that's when I got reintroduced to Liger, like on, you know, thanks to WCW, and I remember, because it always stood out to me as a kid, who the hell is this guy, you know, and he's always been one of my favorites ever since, so, dude, but the only thing is, he does commentary a lot, right, Liger, like, obviously, right, and he wears the mask, what happens then? He could still wear the mask. He could, he could absolutely still wear the mask. I mean, like, we we had Tiger Mask and Tiger Mask W together. Yeah, but we had yeah, we had Liger and Super Liger together. True, that's a good point. But the, but see, even the Ligers are kind of different, though. Well, I mean, you maybe know? you maybe you introduce a, a new Liger. True, that, actually, that's a better marketing thing to do, in my opinion. Why not? And I would still do it. We showed at Umino. You know what? I wouldn't be surprised 
Hey, dude, you're, he just you're, has that you're look, ranked. You know? They're listening to you in Japan, bro. So they hear, they hear you over there. You know what I'm saying? I would do it. So in saying that, right. I would do in it. saying that, maybe they will hear it. And if that happens, I'll say it now. It's thanks to you mentioning it. Well, and I guarantee I feel like, it. I feel like it would help him with the fans. And I feel like it would help it. Even as, if it gets out, uh, that show to Umino. The right. fact that he was doing it under the hood, that he was doing it under the Liger name, I think would be good for him in the eyes of the fans and in the eyes of the other talent in the back who don't just feel like he's there and getting his spot right, that's not because fair, of his though, fucking man. dad. Well, but, I, you, but that's realistic right. too. Right, right, right. And that's Especially in the Japanese culture, the, the whole nepotism thing. Yeah, I know. It's shocking, like, dude. It's, it's, it's bad, actually, really bad. And that's the sad part because take that away. The kid's got friggin' mega talent, man. Oh, you can't deny it. Agreed. Even if I was Tetsuya Naito or Kote Ibushi or, or even Kazuchika Okada, you can't tell me they would not look at him and think, this kid's got something, man. You know what I mean? And, and he really does, man. I mean, I'm not looking at him because he's Red Shoes' son. It's He's really got talent, legitly. So it'd be a shame if the politics stop him from becoming something. You know what I mean? Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, there's one random fact about Jushin Thunder Liger that I I just can't let go every time I talk about him. like Because Jushin Thunder Liger might be my second most favorite professional wrestler of all time. But you know, who's, you know who's number one, Jimmy? You know who's number one. Don't say who, Romu. The man who made Jushin Thunder Liger a WWE Hall of Famer in one match. One match. That's how fucking good Tyler Breeze is, ladies and gentlemen. And he is a free agent AEW. Get on that shit. Hashtag sign Tyler Breeze. Sign Prince Pretty. He made Jushin Liger a Hall of Famer in one match. One match with Tyler Breeze. Put Jushin Liger in the Hall of Fame. That's how freaking good he is. Hashtag sign Tyler Breeze. Do you think people realize he's Canadian? <laughs> you can't he's not Canadian. He's not Canadian. He has a all. seasonal residence in Vancouver. <laughs> that is true, of course. <laughs> like all great Hollywood stars. <laughs> but no, really, I think people don't realize he's Canadian, even though he's very much Canadian, right? Very Canadian. But you're right. Prince Pretty is, is very underrated. He, uh, You know what? I've, I've said this before and I'll say it again. I was actually a fan of his, especially when he was up top in NXT. I actually sort of dug everything about him, even even his thing, dude. I just everything clicked with him. But yeah, it's weird that nobody signed him up. He's sort of not really doing much. And he's only thirty-two. Wow. Yeah. See, I don't see a see. I could see a great Kenny spot, you know, with Kenny and and Tyler Breeze. I think that would be a brilliant I, sort of thing. I think bringing in Tyler Breeze would be incredibly genius for AEW because you need people like Tyler Breeze to go out there and have a really good match with people like CM Punk who are, are, are who just need wins, but they right. need to go out and have good matches. And all Tyler Breeze does is have good matches. He really does. He's underrated. Man. It's a fact. I think he's very under- Right. No, it's true. He's underrated, dude. And yeah, like you saying that is like saying, you know, he, he's a great hand, right? You can't like, you know, and I say that, you know, in all due respect, because he really is. He's, you know, he's he he's down to put someone over, you know. 
So, I mean, and why that's not? What, and that's what AEW needs more than main event talent because they got plenty of main event talent. They're stacked, dude. They're so stacked that they don't even know what to do with all these guys, man. And and before we go, right, I know, you know, we've almost hit two hours. Um, I just want to touch on one more thing, dude. Arn Anderson. <laughs> I'm sure you've heard. Arn Anderson's got a Glock, man. I mean... He's got a Glock, dude. Don't fuck with Arn, man. I He's armed, have, literally. I, I didn't have a problem with it. And... and that's probably going to surprise some people because I always say, like, Scott Hall famously said that you don't talk about killing somebody in professional wrestling because you're not going to kill anybody in professional wrestling. Right. Absolutely. But what Arn Anderson said and what people perceived are two entirely different things. Arn Anderson was making the comparison that the difference between him and Cody is if a car if somebody carjacks Cody, Cody is going to give him the keys and tuck his tail between his legs and run away, and Arn Anderson is going to pull out a Glock and splatter that motherfucker's brains all over <laughs> the goddamn window. That's what Arn Anderson was saying. Like, there's a difference between me and there's a difference between you, and this is the issue going on between Cody and Arn Anderson. Arn Anderson didn't say take my gun and go pop a cap in Malachi Black's ass. Right? Well, people like, actually perceived that? that well, people thought that's what like he meant. Like, he was endorsing gun violence. And no, that's not what, what? he was saying at all. He was that's calling not what Cody he was a bitch, basically. Right. You know? He was saying Cody's a bitch, and, he, and you know, right. he's the enforcer. That's what he was saying. You know saying? Right. That's Don't stupid, be a bitch. Man. Don't be a yeah. bitch. That's what he was saying. And wow. it, it, I feel like this just furthers the Cody heel turn. Absolutely, it does, man. He's going to turn on Arn. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I would have him turn with Arn. Me too. Again, again, much like the Nature Boy Ric Flair. Let's not pretend like Arn Anderson was, you know, a good old wholesome baby face (laughs) that was kissing fucking babies in 1985. Why do you think he was, he was getting so much shit by the likes of Kevin Nash and fuck? There was legit sort of heat between them. Hell yes. Hell well, yes. I know people. People don't. Really, all of them were pricks, including fucking what's his name? Fucking. Uh, oh my god! How do I forget his name, dude? Uh, Tully Blanchard. He was the biggest asshole in the group well, too. At least in Tully ways. is still being consistent, right. though. Like Absolutely, Tully's still right. being a prick. Like I could see Arn going back to being a prick. Yeah, like, why not? I'm I'm down, man. But you know what they're gonna do? They're Jago? gonna turn him into Mike Ditka. That's what they're gonna do. They're gonna <laughs> turn him into Ditka. Arn Ditka. How do I come back from that? <laughs> I mean, that's what they're going to do with him. Because they're already calling him Coach Anderson. They're going to turn him oh, into right. Arn Ditka. Oh, shit. He's going to be well, the grumpy but, head coach. Oh, no. But and Cody's going to be a gonna... scalded dog whimpering in the oh, corner. Please oh, don't no. yell at me, Arn. No, no, no. Please don't yell at me. Dude, no, if they do that, no, that's it. But what if Cody just shows that he actually has some fucking nuts? And then Arn's like, okay, now that we got that out of our system, let's go. But go, yeah, but if you knowing Cody's too egotistical to even listen to some old man. So what right? you're saying is Cody needs to pull out a Glock and splatter somebody's brains all Basically, over the car. I mean, yes, yeah, since people are perceiving in a metaphorical <laughs> sense, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. Geez. Boom. <laughs> Good a, God. Exactly. Tell the people, dude, because they might think we're being actually legit. Like, yeah, go and get a gun and 
bang. But no, we're not. Right? Good fucking Christ. We're just saying. <laughs> I support I everybody's a- right to have a gun, even though I'm not a gun person. I all, you know, like then there's Australia. You know, where you oh, all motherfuckers don't. like banned guns and shit. And now you're living in a police state and getting pulled over for going to the store before you can come and record the show and putting us back, you know, like an hour and a half. Yeah. And I got pulled over, dude. That's right? what I'm saying. So if, yeah. yeah. You're a wanted fugitive for going to the store. But luckily I just said, I'm going, to, why are the stores open then? You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> we in lockdown. Why the fuck are they open for? Right. I mean, seriously. It's, it's so backwards, man. I don't get it, right? We didn't shut but down the economy. We shut down the society that, you yeah. know, like fulfills the economy. It's fucking dumb, dude. This country is just stupid right now. But, yeah, in saying that, I think that's the best way to, to pretty much top it off, dude. I mean, you can't end it any Dan. better than that, right? Goddamn dickhead, Dan. <laughs> So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button. Then visit our homies over at the HMG, channelattitude.com. And Vince Russo is the brand. Go ahead and uh, get, get the Patreon going over there. Make sure that you get all of your Hami Media Group shows. Jimmy T, you're going over to the Hami Media Group. Congratulations. I'll be joining you over there. That's going to be a lot of fun as we talk some AEW Rampage. Hopefully it doesn't become WCW Thunder. Otherwise, you know, the show is going to be way more entertaining. You can keep up with me across social media at NotJargoJimmyT. How do the peeps, the freaks, the geeks, and the Greeks keep up with you? Well, I love the Greek part. But you can find me at, at PWC Network on Twitter and at DJ Mass Effects and PWC on Facebook and whatnot. So basically, just everywhere, just type PWC and you can find us. We will talk to you back here next week, next Saturday, for an all-new edition of Hitting the Marks. Until then, we're off like a prom dress. See ya! Watch your fingers. Label me. Don't give up. You're bad guy.
fucked your bitch and I lied. She was at home with me last night. I'll be your bad guy.